This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, March 24th, 2021. This week's episode is a special look at our checklist of essential security features you should consider setting up right away on your new Mac. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast. Veteran Mac journalist, Kirk McElhern, and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm fine, thank you. I want to tell our listeners that this is a pre-recorded episode because Josh is in an undisclosed location this week. We were a bit worried that Apple might be announcing new Macs. There had been rumors for the 23rd, but if you're hearing this episode on the week of the 23rd, they haven't announced new Macs. If they do announce new Macs, then you're hearing this episode a week after because we'll have recorded something with Josh recording from his undisclosed location to talk about the new Macs. All right. <laughs> that was a little confusing, <laughs> potentially, but okay. <laughs> Hopefully everyone... Are you excited about new Macs? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I really feel like... I know, your, your fan noise, your iMac's old. Come on, you've been, you've been talking about this for years, Joe. I know, I'm like, I'm so close, and like, I just need to just, you know, pull the trigger and buy a new Mac at this point. But I, I haven't yet, and I, I don't know what's holding me back now, but... I need a new Mac, and, and I definitely would like it to be a fanless one. Um, there's kind of some rumors about, you know, iMacs, uh, maybe with a new ARM-based processor. Maybe I don't, maybe it's not an M1. Maybe it's an M1X or an M2 or something like that. So we'll see. An M2 Super Home Edition Pro model. Yes, ultimate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there have been rumors about a new design for the iMac, which uh, I think I've said several times, I would love to get rid of these big bezels around the screen and that big chin on the bottom. And I was also thinking the other day that they could perhaps make a fanless iMac because given how much space there is on the back, if the heat sinks are placed in the right place and if there's venting on the top, which is the way it used to be with the cinema display and the, the iMac around the same time that was thicker, perhaps they could have a fanless iMac just for Josh. Uh, yeah, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> the Josh edition. <laughs> okay, so today we want to talk about the essential security and privacy features you need to set up when you get a new Mac. Because Josh is going to be getting a new Mac. And Josh, you know how to do all these things. But we're going to talk about an article that I have on the Intego Mac Security blog, and we're going to go through the basics. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you've heard a lot of these things and you're aware of them. But what's important here is that they're all in one place. So if you get a new Mac, you can just kind of use this as a checklist. And who knows, you might uh, encounter something in our discussion here that you haven't thought of before. Well, I hope so. I hope it's worth their while to listen to this one. Okay, user accounts. If you don't pay any attention, then you've only got one user account on your Mac, and that user account has to be an administrator's account. The administrator is the person who has the right to change things like the startup disk or install software. If you're not an administrator, you can't do anything. So if you were to set up a new Mac and the only account was a, a standard non-administrator account, you wouldn't go very far. I'm like I'm sure Josh, you use an administrator account, and so do I. And you know we're working without a net. But for sort of average users who don't know a lot about security, it's a really good idea to once you've done that administrator account, you set up a new standard account which has fewer rights, permissions, privileges, etc. But you can still in that account enter the administrator's username and password when you need to authenticate to install software. Exactly. Yeah, this is really the what should be the standard practice when you get a new Mac. And in fact, it would be nice if Apple kind of held your hand and walked you through this process because it's really not ideal 
from a security perspective for everybody to just have an administrator account. Now, I've actually talked with Apple employees in the past who kind of argue against this and they say, oh, no, we've got all this stuff that's built in now that just protects you. And so it doesn't really matter. You can use administrator accounts all day long and give them to all your users if you're in an enterprise environment and things. Uh, yeah, I tend to disagree with that um, because here's the thing. Malware will take advantage of any opportunity to get a little bit more privilege and do a little bit more damage, right? And so if you're giving malware or hackers that opportunity just by virtue of using an administrator account when you don't necessarily need to all the time, it's just giving the bad guys who might be trying to attack your computer a little bit more of an advantage. Most of the time, the typical stuff that everybody does on a computer does not require administrator access. You know, think about what you do usually when you sit down at a computer. Chances are, if you're an average person, you probably spend most of your time in a web browser, right? You're, you're loading web pages, you're checking your email, maybe you're doing banking and other things like that. None of those things require a local administrator account. So it's better to just default to using that standard account as your main driver account that you use whenever you sit down at your Mac. I think the reason Apple does it this way is, you know that onboarding process when you install a new operating system that walks you through things like setting up the user account and then signing into iCloud? Well, the sign into iCloud is for that user account you've just set up rather than saying, don't sign into iCloud now. When you're finished, create a new user account, signed into iCloud on that, and then restart. It does make it a lot more complicated. Now, they could have an onboarding system offering the option, do you want to use a user administrator account and a standard account? But then people need to remember two passwords, and will they easily remember two passwords, or will they use the same one for both? These are some good points. I think that there are some things that Apple could do to sort of simplify this process. Um, as one of those many screens that you get when you're first setting up a, a Mac, they could have a screen that says, um, set up your first user account. This is going to be your administrator account on the computer that you can use if you ever need to make changes to things. Um, and then the next screen, okay, now create your user account. This is the, the account that you're going to be using um, on a daily basis when you log into your computer. So it would be an extra screen probably. Um, it could be a little confusing because as you say, it, there could be a different password for this account. Um, it's not perfect, but at least it would protect users a little bit more. Can I see Apple realistically doing this anytime in the near future? No, no not at all. No. Because it adds an extra step, it's complicated, it's confusing, it makes users concerned that, oh, maybe Apple's not as secure as I thought they were. And Apple still wants people to have the impression that if you're using an Apple device, it's 100% secure and private and you don't need to have any worries at all. Okay, so you mentioned passwords, and the next step is to make sure you use secure passwords for all your accounts, particularly your user account, because if someone gets into the user account, they can access your email, your messages, your SMSs. Here's the thing. Depending on your Mac and depending on which Apple devices you have, you could have a really secure password and you may not need to type it often. So I have an Apple Watch, so do you. I have my iMac set to unlock with the Apple Watch, which allows me to have a longer, more secure password because I don't need to type it that often when I use my Mac. If you've got a MacBook Pro with Touch ID, the same thing. You don't have to type in the password very often, so you can afford to have a longer password because it's less of a 
hassle. And in fact, I, I'm the kind of person who has a long password on everything. I literally have a really long password on my iPhone, which is the most frustrating place to have a long password. But because most of the time I can use Face ID, it's not that big of a deal. By the way, that's another thing. If if Apple, and I know Apple's not going to announce a new phone right now in March because it's too early in their cycle. But if Apple announces a, a new phone that's got some sort of like touch ID on the back or something like that. There've been rumors about this kind of thing. That would be really nice. As long as we're still using masks in public, it would be really nice to have some other way to authenticate without having to type in a long password. Well, they do have a feature coming out in iOS 14.5 that will allow you to use Face ID with a mask. So it's going to basically recognize your eyes and the top of your nose and your head, as well as the general shape of your head. I'm I'm not 100% sure that this is going to work as well as Face ID now, but this is planned. So we should see that and it'll be a lot easier for the current situation. That's a good point. Yeah, we, we did, I guess, mention that pretty recently that uh, and I think the way that that worked, if I remember right, is if you also have an Apple Watch um, at the same time as you're using Face ID on your phone, I think that was the, the interaction there. So it sees part of your face and it also knows that you're wearing your Apple Watch. I think that was how that was going to work. They really want people to buy Apple Watches, don't they? Uh, you know, I, I was skeptical before I ever bought an Apple Watch. I thought, ah, it's probably not something I really need. I got it kind of for the fitness-related things because I figured it would be good if I stood up more often and I got little reminders about it. But um, honestly, it's it's been a life changer for me in a lot of ways. Um, I never really cared that much about you know getting 30 minutes of exercise a day. And now that I've got that ring, it... it encourages me, you know, okay, well, I don't have to do too much more to close my ring. So let's just, uh, you know, go for a walk or whatever. Oh man, they should feature you on one of those videos in the keynotes of people telling how the Apple watch changed their lives. Yeah, it changed <laughs> my life. It didn't save my life. Like most of the time they're trying to tell no, people. No, that's true. But I, I must say that uh, sort of halfway through the Apple Watch's life, I was kind of skeptical about it thinking it's not that great. When they introduced the feature where it unlocks my Mac, that's what sold me. Because, you know, I'm up and down. I have my Mac set to go to a screensaver after a few minutes. We'll talk about that later. And I come back to my Mac. Instead of having to type, just press a key, boom, it opens. All right, you got to protect your data. I mean, it's, it's really important because anyone can steal your Mac. And if it's not protected, well, they can get at your data. It's not that hard. File Vault. I remember when File Vault first came out, is this five or six years ago, something like that? And it slowed things down so much because we had these old 4200 RPM hard drives that were like old and slow. And now you just don't even notice it. And I, I tried it recently on my MacBook Air. I set it up, I t turned it off, turned it on. I did a couple of times for an article and it's really transparent. So Turn on FileVault. There's no reason not to. Yeah. I, in fact, when FileVault first came out, the first iteration of it was just something that would encrypt your user account. Now, since FileVault 2 has been out, which actually that's been, gosh, I don't know. I, I want to say it's been at least 10 years that that's been out now. Um it was introduced in Mac OS X Lion back then in 2011. And at the time, as you say, we were using spinning drives and it, there was certainly um, a period of time that you'd have to wait when you enabled FileVault to encrypt your whole drive. It was kind of a pain, frankly. I still thought it was worth using, especially if you had a mobile device or a device that uh, maybe was someplace that a lot of people could access it. But uh, there's no reason to not use FileVault now. It's so fast and so convenient. 
and it really does protect your data when it's at rest. If you've got your laptop shut down, you're going through an airport maybe, and and uh, you know the airport security wants to open up your laptop, they're not going to be able to extract files off of it. Certainly not without some really incredible hacks <laughs> if you've got your Drive File Vault enabled. Okay, we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes and talk about Intego's security software. And the next tip is actually install security software because FileVault is security software. It protects your data, but it doesn't back it up. It doesn't protect you from malware. The firewall that's built into macOS is really not a very powerful firewall. Yeah, unfortunately, the firewall in, in macOS it has not really changed much in a very long time. It's essentially just an inbound-only firewall and basically what that means is that if you've got that firewall enabled, it makes it a little bit more difficult for things on your local network to try to get into your Mac. But it doesn't really do that much. From a practical perspective, I would argue that no, it doesn't really do that much to protect you. It, I mean, it, it's good to at least leave it on, I guess, if, if you don't have any third-party software. But you really want an outbound firewall. And here's why. If you've got software on your machine that is either malicious, so you've got malware installed and you don't know it yet, or you've got some compromised software. Maybe there was some legitimate software and the developer's account got hacked, and now there's some functionality in there that even the developer didn't know about. Or, in other cases, you have a very legitimate program, it gets bought up by some disreputable company, and now they're doing something nefarious and haven't fully disclosed that to you. These are things that you want to know about. And because it's not necessarily a virus or malware, it's just misbehavior, it may not get flagged by an antivirus product. And so this is why it's very important for you to also have an outbound firewall. You need to know when something on your Mac is trying to communicate with something on the internet that you're not expecting to communicate. Okay, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about, well, the next one is backing up your data. And we'll talk about some other security and privacy features. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2021. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Big Sur and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego. World-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Okay, so we were talking about Intego's security software, and one of the important things to do after you've protected your data with FileVault and you're protected from malware and you've got a, a firewall is to make sure that you back up your data in case something happens to your device. Maybe 
the hard drive fails or the SSD fails, maybe it gets stolen. And of course, we have Intego Personal Backup, but we strongly recommend that you use Apple's Time Machine together with Personal Backup. It's built in. You can use Time Machine with an external drive. You can use it with a network drive. It's important to have a backup strategy where you've got multiple backups to multiple locations. By the way, we've got a lot of links in this article to other articles on the Intego Mac Security blog that go into more detail about these points. I definitely recommend using either or Time Machine or, or Intego Personal Backup and, and definitely use them both if you want. Time Machine can back up to a local drive, for example, and you can also have Intego Personal Backup back up your files to another Mac on your network, for example, which is really nice. So you've got multiple backups in multiple locations. It's not all, it doesn't have to all be going to one drive. Ideally, you want your backups to go to multiple places so that if something happens to that one backup drive, and the Mac that you're trying to back up at the same time, then you're kind of out of luck. So having it back up to something else as well is always a good idea. Okay, the next step is to turn on the feature that automatically locks your Mac. And you do this in the security and privacy pane of system preferences. You require a password immediately after sleep or after the screensaver begins. At the same time, you go to desktop and screensaver and you set the screensaver to come on after, I don't know, I do 10 minutes personally because I'm at home, if I was taking my Mac to a coffee shop and working and leaving the, leaving the Mac on the table when I go to the bathroom, which apparently is quite common, I would set it to lock immediately. Even better, I have a hot corner set so I can put my cursor in the top left corner and that locks the screen. But the important point here, I mentioned earlier that you can have a, a more complex password if you have an Apple Watch or Touch ID. So when I come back to my Mac, I press a key and it automatically wakes up. When I come back to my MacBook Air, it's got Touch ID. I open it, I touch it, boom, it's really easy. I'm glad you mentioned the hot corner thing. If you hadn't said that, I was going to suggest that as well. That's pretty easy to set up. You can also set that up right within system preferences. Another thing that I really like to do is whenever I'm walking away from my Mac, yeah, I could put the cursor in, in a hot corner to have the display sleep and, and lock my Mac. But what I prefer to do, because it feels a little faster to me and, and I can do it a little more easily, it's just sort of a reflexive action, is if you hit command control Q, that's the lock screen command. And that will immediately put your Mac into that locked mode where it takes you to that screen where you've got to sign in uh, using your password. Super handy. And by the way, another little tip related to that is if you hit escape, so after you hit command control Q, it takes you to that login screen. And then if you hit escape after that, it will it'll shut off your display. So you've got um, nothing up on your screen. Uh, it's not tempting people who might be you know walking by your Mac within the next couple of minutes uh, to try to guess your password. That's another little handy tip I like to use. But then you don't get to see a screensaver. But if you're walking away from your Mac, <laughs> you wouldn't see the screensaver anyway, right? The screensaver I use is the plain black screensaver with the Apple logo that bounces around. Ah, okay, yeah. I don't want a fancy screensaver. <laughs> I'm not worried about saving the screen, which is, if, if people haven't used computers for a long time, they may not realize that the original reason to use screensavers is because if you left your screen on too long, it would burn into the CRT screen. Well, okay, this is true. It's not as likely you'll get burn in anymore, but I actually noticed yesterday, I think it was, on I have an LG 5K Thunderbolt display 
And I noticed when I had a graphic that was full screen, all, you know, a solid color in that corner, that in my top left corner, I have a permanent Apple logo stuck there. You mean where the Apple menu is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. And this is even on a a new monitor. I mean, this is like, this was only two years old. That's weird. And and I locked the screen. I don't leave it on 24-7, so. Okay, well, let's be honest. You won't notice it. Because the Apple menu is always there. Although if you go in full screen mode, you might notice it. But I'd worry. I'd be worried about that. I'd contact Apple, even if you don't have Apple Care. That's a manufacturing defect. Yeah, you, you should you should do that and report back. You should Google it and see if other people have had the problem. I haven't heard of that. And I, I you're the first person I know who has one of those LG monitors. I didn't even know you had that. Yeah, at the time Apple was selling those with uh, with the MacBook Pro and other uh, Macs if you wanted an external display. But yeah, that was the thing that Apple was recommending. Next step is to turn on Find My Mac. Now, Find My Mac is this wonderful. What would you call it? An iteration of a feature that was originally Find My iPhone, and it's also Find My iPod Touch, and it's Find My AirPods, and it, well, it's not really the AirPods, although it can sort of find the AirPods if they're nearby. Essentially, it does two things. It helps you to find something when you can't find it. So when your iPhone is slipped between the cushions of the couch and you can't find it, you can go to one of your iOS devices or your Macs and you can have it make a beep so you can find it. But the other thing it does is if it's lost or stolen, you can mark it as lost, erase it to protect your data, and basically the device will be locked and no one can even do anything with it. That's super, super useful. Um, I actually had a situation where someone in my family lost an iPhone recently and knowing that we could lock that iPhone and make sure that nobody was able to get access to it was really nice. It's super helpful to have uh, that kind of a feature. Of course, you need to to be able to do that (laughs) while it still has battery life and and, uh, internet connectivity and things like that. But being able to mark something as lost is really, really nice and very helpful. Well, if it doesn't have battery life, what will happen is when it, the next time it comes online, it will get this message from Apple to wipe itself or, or lock it or whatever. I know this, my, my son lives in Paris and his apartment was burglarized a few years ago and his MacBook Air was stolen and he called me immediately and we sorted it out. I went online, logged in as him, marked it as stolen, etc. It's, you know, it's to protect your data is is more important than anything. You're not going to get the device back. That's for sure. You'll see where it is, perhaps, if it's still got internet access. But you're not going to go to someone's apartment or house and say, hey, do you have my Mac, by the way? (laughs) Yeah, not something I would recommend doing. Okay, so software updates. We talk about software updates a lot. In fact, last week we talked about what seems to be coming in iOS that security updates will be able to download independent of iOS updates. You got to update your devices. You got to update for security reasons. Even if you don't want the new features, there's going to be bug fixes, there's going to be security fixes. And every time there's a new Mac OS, iOS, tvOS, HomePod OS, et cetera, et cetera, update cycle, we go through some of them. And some of these vulnerabilities that are patched are very serious. Many of them affect the WebKit framework, which is what's used in the browser, because that's where the majority of attacks are these days. And that's where a lot of people spend a lot of their time. A lot of people enter a lot of personal information. So go into the software update pane of system preferences. I like to 
as I show in the article, check for updates, download new updates when, when they're available. But I don't want to automatically install macOS updates because I don't want it to interrupt me when I'm working. I do check, and this is important, install system data files and security updates. Now, this doesn't install every security update because some are part of bigger macOS updates. But I want to get as much done automatically as possible, and I want it to tell me when there's a new update available, which is what it'll do. Now, of course, you and I, we pay attention to this. We know when the updates are available. But for people who don't, it's good to get this notification that there's a new update. I can't stress enough the importance of making sure that you are checking for updates and installing them as uh, relatively soon after they come out. You don't want to put this off for very long, especially because very often there are uh, zero-day vulnerabilities uh, and, and other pretty serious vulnerabilities that you want to get patched right away. Okay, the last point, and this is a slightly obscure one, prevent unauthorized apps from launching. Now, there are a number of types of apps that you can get for your Mac, and some of them come from the Mac App Store, and Apple would love that you get all your apps from the Mac App Store, but um, we kind of don't recommend that because, well, Intego's apps aren't in the Mac App Store, and there's a lot of apps that are really useful that aren't in the Mac App Store. But if you go to the general pane of the security and privacy preferences, you can allow apps to launch that are downloaded either from the App Store or from the App Store and identified developers. Now, if you get an app that is neither from the App Store nor an identified developer, you can still open it. And the process for that is it's changed a little bit over recent years. I had this a couple days ago. I downloaded an app and I double clicked it in the Finder and it gave me this warning that we don't recognize this. But what you can do then is you can right click on it and choose open and then it'll open and ask you to confirm. So ideally, you want to make sure, unless you really know what apps you're installing, that they come from the App Store or identified developers. Don't believe any sort of web page that says, you got to download this app to update Flash Player, and when you see this, open it this way. Don't believe it. Unless you really know what you're doing, or if you're a developer and you're working with your own apps, don't do that. Only use apps from the App Store or identified developers. And this is very likely to, to save you from getting your Mac infected, because they're are a lot of Trojan horses and things out there that um, if you're not careful, they can definitely infect your Mac. So watch out for it. Use antivirus software and and also make sure that you're not um, going through any processes that seem a little bit um, out of the ordinary to install software. Um, sometimes what we see with Trojan horses is that they will tell you, they'll try to walk you through these steps like hold down the control key and click on this app and then go to open and then, you know, click on this thing that's uh, just ignore the fine print that says this might be malware. And, um, you know, so be very careful <laughs> when you go through uh, these processes. Um, read the fine print always when you get screens like that. And if anything seems a little fishy, a little out of the ordinary, then you should be suspicious and uh, and take take it with a grain of salt, because chances are it, it probably is not legit. Okay, that's enough for this week. I hope you're enjoying your time at an undisclosed location. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. 
The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs> 